We just sang a song that said, you have no rival, you have no equal. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, some, some rivals that we, we, we make up in our mind and we make up in our heart. Because truth be told, in our own life, in our own uh, in, in the life of Israel, in the life of Egypt, in the, in the life of what was going on, there, God did have rivals. Uh, in, in Egypt, they had uh, 114 gods. Pharaoh, uh, Moses comes to Pharaoh and, and says, you need to let God's people go. Uh, for the Hebrews to have, to have a god would, would not have been out of the ordinary. It would have been no big deal. Nobody would have cared. Pharaoh didn't care. He wouldn't have cared. It's when that God comes and says, you need to obey me. When that God comes and says, you need to listen to me. When that God comes and says, I have authority over you. That's the part Pharaoh didn't like. That's the part even in our own life, in our own heart, we don't like. that. 3.1% of the culture is atheistic. That's a very loud minority, but most people are okay with there being a God. Most people believe there's a God. Most people believe, most people believe it's okay for you to believe in God. It's okay for you to go to church. It's okay for you to, but, but don't tell me your God wants to, control my life, your God wants to rule my life, your God wants to be Lord of my life, your God wants to uh, tell me how to live. That's the part, that's the part we have issues with. So when your God, when, when, when your God actually tells me how I'm supposed to live, when your God tells me uh, that he has authority over me, when your God says, I, I want to be Lord of your life, is, is he just some e egotistic, crazy God that wants to lord things over us? No, his whole plan and purpose for being Lord of our life is so that we could have life to the fullest. It's so that we could have uh, amazing life because he knows what's best for us, right? He's not, I want to be Lord of your life so that you can submit to me and be, no, no his, his whole thing is so that, so that we can be, be fruitful, we can flourish, we can be awesome, we can uh, be everything he's intended it for us to be. So we've been talking about uh, this, this, this morning's message is so that you may know that I am the Lord. Over and over as God's ta talking to talking to Pharaoh, he's talking to Moses, he's talking to Aaron, he's talking to the people of Israel, he's talking to people of Egypt, he's, he's talking to them, and one of the things he's saying over and over is, you need to know who's in charge. You need to know, I am the Lord. We talked last week, we talked about the, the, the life calling of Moses, and Moses uh, in Exodus chapter 3, when God calls Moses, he said, I got a plan for your, for your life. You remember, uh, God had this specific design and purpose for Moses. He raised Moses up to lead the people out of, out of slavery. Uh, and, and Moses tried it in his own strength. He failed miserably. 
So he went and, and hid in the desert for 40 years. And God comes to him and he speaks to him and he says, I want to use you. I got something for you to do. And Moses like, no, uh, I, don't, I don't speak well. No, I, I uh, say, I, uh, who are they going to, they're not going to listen to me. I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. God says, go, I got to, he says, okay, fine. Say, say I go to them and, and tell them, God wants me to lead you. Who do I say sent me? You guys remember what God's response was? I am. That I am. Steve uh, dug into that the last couple weeks. You can go, go back and listen to his sermons if you want to hear more about that. But Yahweh, I am. I'm going to be with you. Moses' response still, and, and this is the, the, the question that God answers even in Moses' life, all throughout the life of Moses. All throughout the life of Moses, this is the question he's, he's answering. So say, do I, I go to these people, and who do I say sent me? God says, I am that I am. And I'm going to be with you, and you're going to see me with you. And, and all throughout Exodus, all throughout Exodus, God is revealing himself to Moses. All throughout Exodus, God is revealing himself to the people of, of Israel. All throughout Exodus, he's revealing who he is. So, who is Yahweh? Is that so reported, Pharaoh? This is after Moses went to Pharaoh and said, I, I want, you, you need to let our people go. And, and this is really the, que the question. This is the question of, and who is the Lord? Who's Yahweh? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I don't know. We talked about that in Chu last week. We, we talked a lot about knowing and knowing God and how God wanted to be known. He, he, re, he revealed himself even uh, in, in, we talked about it last week in, in uh, chapter 6. It says, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you from under, under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from the being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will make, take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know I am the Lord your God uh, who brought you out, of, out from under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with an uplifted hand to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give to the possession, I am the Lord. So I am, I am, I am, I will, I will, I will. I'm going to reveal to you guys, I'm going to show myself to you guys, I'm going to reveal myself to you guys. Over and over throughout, throughout Exodus, he's revealing who he is. I haven't spoken to adults in a while, so you have to forgive me. I speak to the youth every week, and we're a little more conversational, a little more laid back, a little more... Uh, uh, so if I, yeah, I get a little, I'm a little nervous, okay? Nervous. <laughs> nervous around adults. <laughs> so this is what God, God says. This is what God says about the plagues, and what the plague's all about. He said, I will execute judgment against 
all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. So each one of the plagues is actually a judgment against one of these 114 gods that Egypt was worshiping. Uh, the plagues were, yeah, we're, we're going to dig through a lot, of, uh, a lot of scripture this morning, so we'll, we'll move on here. Uh, God's at war. He's at war with the gods of Egypt. Uh, and some reason my PowerPoint goofed up, so uh, we'll just have to, to... In chapter 7, starting in verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let people go. Go to Pharaoh early in the morning. As he goes out to the water, wait on the banks of the Nile to meet him and take your take your the hand take your hand the staff blah, 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 banks of the Nile to meet him and take your hand the staff with him the Lord the God of the Hebrews had sent to say to you let my people go so that is so that they may worship me in the desert but until now you have not listened this is what the Lord says by this you will know there's you pay attention to the nose okay by this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish of the Nile will die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch it out. Stretch it out. Stretch out your hand over the waters in Egypt and over the streams in in canals, over the ponds, and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, in the wooden buckets, and in the stone jars. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had, had commanded. He raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water had changed to blood. The fish in the Nile died. The river smelled so bad the Egyptians couldn't even drink the water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. So, first, first, uh, first plague that that happened was the Nile, the Nile River. Now, this would would have been a, a an attack on uh, their whole their whole economic system, their whole uh, their their life flow. Everything everything was tied to the Nile. Everything uh, was. The Nile, as the Nile goes, as it produces, as and every year it would overflow, and the, the silt from the Nile would give nutrients to the to the fields, and the the, the fields uh, they they worship some gods. They would they would uh, worship gods that uh, bring a new harvest and bring bring stuff from them. There, there's actually several gods uh, related to the Nile, uh, but but one of the main ones was happy. That's happy. This was their main Nile god. Happy, uh, it it is. She was. People would go and and sacrifice to Happy. Because uh, Happy not Happy brought fullness of life. Uh, would, would bring a, a fullness of life, would bring, uh, we got to sacrifice to happy because happy is going to 
Uh, God comes and he brings death to the Nile. He brings blood to the Nile, and, he, and, he's, and he's judging the, the Nile, the, the happy. He's judging a bunch of other gods as well, but he's, the, the thing that is so life-giving to them, it's so part of their culture, part of their world, it's, it's centered around the Nile. And suddenly, wait a second, and God's saying, who's, who's really in charge? This isn't just about Pharaoh. This isn't just about the people of Egypt. This isn't just about the people of Israel. This isn't just about Moses and Aaron. This is about us too. Well, what is the, the happy thing you try to find yourself in? Where do you try to find your happiness? Where do you try to find, where do you find that fulfillment for life? Where do you find that fullness of life? We, we got all kinds of Evidence that says we make terrible gods and the things we worship are terrible and not, you know. We have all kinds of, all kinds of things we can give our life to. We all kinds of things that we can, we can blow up in our mind, blow up in our heart, blow up in our head. Say, if I just have that thing, I'll be happy. Right? We, we all do it. We all have moments of we all have things that our heart chases after. We all have things that we, th- we think in our mind, if I just get the, the right person or I get married, if we, if we uh, have a, a whole family, we have a family that's together, we have some money, we have some this, we have some that, we, ha- we have whatever it is, I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied, I'll be fulfilled. Fullness of life comes when I have that thing. And God comes and he says, I come that you may have life and have life to the full. God comes and, he, and he's contending with the things that we think make us happy. He's contending with happy. He's contending with fullness of life can only be found in Jesus. Now, am I, am I saying if, if you don't, if you're not a Christian, you can't enjoy life and have... Uh, you know, you look globally, you look around the world. If, if we ask, what, is, what does healthy life look like? What does happiness look like? What is that, that thing? I think almost every culture would say very similar things. Every culture would, would talk about food. They would talk about partying together. They would talk about family. They would talk about community. They would talk about Life together. I'm not alone in this. Right? Globally. Globally, I mean, that's part of what makes our our church so so unique and so so awesome. We're a bunch of random people, but we're in community together. We're in life together. And one of the ways we we can know as a church we're doing well is when we actually, we do those things. We party together. We eat together. We, we're in each other's lives. When those things aren't happening, we could just be a bunch of random people coming together on Sunday morning and, right? It's, it's when we're actually living in community, when we're actually uh, enjoying each other's company, when we're actually laying down our life for one another, when we're actually uh, doing what God's called us to do. There's, it's one of the ways we can see, we can see 
when we're, when we're, when we're in a healthy place. But eating, drinking, joy, gladness, community, celebration, Fullness of life can only be found in Jesus. And we can have a good life. We can have an awesome life. But we're not going to have life to the full apart from Jesus. We're not. You're not going to have life to the full not being reconciled to your Father. So uh, one of the things that happens is the Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian magicians in verse 22 of chapter 7 did the same thing by their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Instead, he turned and went into his palace and did not take even this to heart. All the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because... They could not drink the water of the river. So the Egyptians, their, their life stream is stinking. Their life stream is, it's, it's smells of death. And suddenly they begin to dig along the side of the river and settle for something else. It wasn't life to the full. It wasn't happy. And then the magicians came. Instead of being able to reverse the curse, reverse the plague, they could just do, do more, right? Duplicate it. Imitate it. That's what the enemy does. He likes to imitate. And you think, oh, wow. Wow, the, the, those magicians, they, they came up with something that, whoa, was so cool. They came up with something that, yeah, who is Yahweh? Who is God that I should obey him? Our magicians can do it too. No big deal. So Exodus uh, 1 through 14, this is uh, verse 1 through 4. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that, that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. Anybody like frogs? Now look what it says. It says, the Nile will team with frogs. They will come up into your palace, in your bedroom, in your bed, in your house, houses of your officials, and on your people, in your ovens, just in case you were worried that they got in your kitchen. They're in the kitchen. They got into your kneading bowls. They get into your kitchen utensils even. Right? And you see the progression? They're going to come into your house. They're going to come into your bedroom. They're going to come into your bed. Ooh! Right? Frogs, man, they're nasty. Uh, this was a direct shot at the god god Heket. Heket was an Egyptian god. It had the face of a frog. 
They would go and worship to it. Uh, Heket was, Heket was the, the goddess of fruitfulness. So if you want to be fruitful uh, in childbearing, you want to be fruitful in business, you want to be fruitful in any way. If you wanted to be fruitful, you'd go and sacrifice to Heket. Suddenly there's frogs all over the place. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be feeling too fruitful at that moment. Now, I did a little shopping this week, so um, the youth group knows this. Well, uh, so if I, the, the Bible talks about fruitfulness being attached to the vine, right? John 15, got to be attached to the vine. Uh, I, I heard a guy illustrate it. He said, uh, fruitfulness outside of Jesus is like taking fruit and stapling it to a tree. Uh, it, it's, we talked about this in youth group a few weeks ago. Uh, this is all fake fruit. So, uh, But uh, what is the fruitfulness of our life? Is it fake fruit? What, what, is it, what good is this going to do for anybody? It looks awesome. It looks good. It looks yummy. But it's fake. It's not going to help you. Unless you're really hungry. But it's either we got fake fruit or we got rotten fruit. We got fruit that looks really good, but it's you open it up or eat it and it's, and it's, and it's rotten. Uh, I wonder why Jesus looked at a fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit and he cursed it. Like he had, he had issues against thing that, that, things that looked fruitful but didn't bear fruit. They looked healthy, they looked alive, they looked, it looks, looks good. It should have figs in it. You look at Revelation, it says, you're either hot nor cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's not being hot or cold for Jesus, that's being useful. You're, you're, not, you're not useful. You're not in a place of fruitfulness, you're not in a place of usefulness. You're not, be hot or cold, be, be have fruit that, that's, sustaining and bearing, bearing more fruit and helping people and it's, and, it, and it's feeding people and it's giving. Well, that only comes from being attached to the vine. That only comes from being in Jesus. We look at the disciples, professional fishermen. They never caught fish aside from being with Jesus. As far as we know, they probably did just not recorded in Scripture. And in that same instance, Jesus saying, apart from me, you can't do anything. one amen. That's good. Isn't that beautiful? If you can't see it, it's frogs. Lots of them. It just gives you a little visual of God's judgment against Heket. You want to be fruitful? You want to bear fruit? You got to do it attached to the vine. You have to do that in Jesus. Heket was the goddess of fertility, water, renewal, fruitfulness. You wanted to be fruitful, you went and sacrificed to Heket. God's judgment came against Heket. 
it wasn't just I'm a yeah there was there was purpose and reason for all the plagues in God's heart there was purpose and reason for it then the Lord said to Moses tell Aaron stretch out your hand with your your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make the frogs come up from the land of Egypt so Aaron stretched out his hand and over the the waters of Egypt and the frogs came and covered the land the magicians came and did the same thing there they go imitating again they came and did the same thing by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up from the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Isn't it interesting? A wicked, very ungodly ruler said to Moses, Pray for me. Pray for us. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said, uh, when you want the frogs gone, tomorrow, Pharaoh said, Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know, you may know. Uh, these frogs are going to be taken away, they're going to be gone, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. God's at war with these gods. The frogs will leave you and your houses and your officials and your people will remain only in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord, about the frogs, and he had brought he had brought on Pharaoh. The Lord did as Moses asked. The, the frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled up in heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses as Aaron, the Lord had just said. I want you just... Pharaoh saw there was relief. Sorry. Pharaoh saw that there was relief. That's when he hardened his heart. You know, uh, a lot of times God will use things in our lives to to expose the, the gods of our own heart. He'll use things in our life to expose uh, where we're trying to find our happiness. We use things in our life where we're, where we're trying to find fruitfulness. We use things in our life where we're trying to staple fruit to a tree. He'll use things in our life to kind of get our heart right and our heart in the right place. And, and a lot of times we'll, we go through something difficult. We go through something hard. We, we, we press into God. God, I'm hungry. I need you. I need you to uh, help me in my life circumstance. I need you to help me in my family. I need you to help me in my, our finances. You cry out to God. You're pressing into God. You're at church. You're, and then what happens? By the mercy of God, respite comes. Rest comes. And what happens? Our heart goes back to a hardened place. Our heart goes back to... I hate to give a message where, like, uh, because we're, we're talking about God getting things right in our heart, I don't want you to hear that uh, God is angry with you, he's disappointed with you, he's ready to strike you down at any moment, he's judging, he's whatever. Uh, he's getting stuff right in our heart to draw us to himself so that we can know who he is. He's getting things right in our heart so that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. He's getting things right in our hearts so that we can enter his, his presence. 
He's getting things right in our hearts so we can stand before him with a clear conscience. He's getting things right in our hearts so that we can, we can go before him and, and, and be an expression of the world of lasting, good, fruitful, fruitful life and fruitful ministry and fruitful... I, I don't, I don't want to be a, a youth pastor that is stapling fruit to a tree. I don't want to be a youth pastor that's, that's, oh, look at all this rotten fruit around me. Look at all this fake fruit. It looks really cool. It looks really life-giving. God's not about that. There was relief. There was, we don't it's by the mercy of God we, we find seasons of rest. It's by the mercy of God that we find seasons of, whew, I can take a breath. Family chaos, family turmoil, what's ever going on, things you're crying out to God for. When rest comes, stay pressed in. Stay pressed into God. Stay pressed into the heart of God. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron to stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground, and and throughout the land of Egypt, dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came up and people and animals. Dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. I think we in Minnesota can relate to this one. You know about some gnats? Now, uh, we look at the, the translation. These were biting insects. <laughs> Here, happy spring, everybody. Guess what's, guess what's coming? One of the things God was judging and coming against in this plague was comfort. He was coming against, we, we love comfort, don't we? We got this space-age bed, mattress made out of something from astronauts or whatever. You got this state-of-the-art pillow. You got this awesome car. You got all this comfort, and you still can't sleep. You got all this comfort. We, we, we put our hope and trust in comfort, in luxury, in whatever it is. Things are going to get uncomfortable at times. And when we, our God becomes comfort, there, there's a reason that, that the Holy Spirit said he's a comforter. There's a reason the Holy Spirit said I'm a comforter because you're going to need comfort at times. Because you're going to be in situations that are hard to deal with. You're going to be in situations and circumstances that are uncomfortable. You're going to be in situations and circumstances that you're going to need a comforter. Right? You're going to be in situations and circumstances where the Holy Spirit needs to come. Because I'm really uncomfortable right now. But when we, when we live in a day and age of comfort, and comfort is our God, and luxury is our God, you think of Egypt... Egypt, they were all about comfort. They were all about luxury. They were all about having the nicest stuff, right? They, you guys see pictures of the guys with the big fans and 
sitting on the throne and feeding them grapes and what you know like they were all about comfort they were all about being comfortable and all of a sudden there's these bugs <laughs> you guys can relate because you live in Minnesota I know it I know it you're sitting out by the fire this is so nice so relaxing I'll say they carry you away right comfort cannot be our God God wants to come and show comfort who's boss so he was uh, fighting with the Geb and Set. Geb. They were masters of the earth and they were desert gods. I always thought there would be a really cool visual of like the, the staff hitting the ground and all of a sudden the dust. They were Biting insects, they were annoying insects, they were insects that uh, did something about your comfort. Next was flies. Uh, we're going to have to kind of cruise, you know. Um, so the, the, gnats, the gnats one was uh, the first time there was no warning to Pharaoh. He just went out and God said, hit the ground in front of him and watch the gnats come, whatever. There was, there was kind of a, a, uh, a pattern of go to him early in the morning, go to Pharaoh, no warning at all. So there, there's that same pattern three times. Um, this, is the first, this was the first plague that the, the, Egypt, uh, the magicians couldn't, couldn't duplicate. I don't know why you would want to duplicate those annoying bugs. But they came, to, they came to Pharaoh and said, this is the finger of God. They, you can see something starting, starting to shift a little bit in the, in the attitude of the magicians and the attitude of uh, something starting. The only person that's not budging is Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart. Pharaoh keeps... Resisting, he wouldn't listen. Then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning. Get up early in the morning, uh, confront Pharaoh as he goes to the water and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go, that they may worship me. If you do not, do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials and on your people and into your houses and the houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies, even the ground where they are. But on that day I will deal differently with the, the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will, will be there so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in the land. I will make a distinction between my people and, the, and your people. This miraculous sign will occur tomorrow. The Lord did this Dense swarms of flies poured in into Pharaoh's palace and into the house of the officials and throughout Egypt and the land. And the land was ruined by flies. And then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God here in this land. So Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron uh, and the people of Egypt and Israel are, are playing kind of a, they're playing a game here. Uh, 
God brings judgment on a couple more gods, and then Pharaoh says, go ahead and, and sacrifice to your God, but do it right here in, in this land. Well, they, they, they gotta, you got to understand that if they, if they were to sacrifice to their God in Egypt, they would have been killed because they would have been sacrificing one of their sacred animals, one of their sacred gods. They would have been sacrificing one of the gods that Egyptians worshipped. So Pharaoh says, go ahead, you can, you can sacrifice, but do it right here. Knowing very well that there, there's, a, there's a game being played. Uh, Moses said, that would not be right. The sacrifices we offer to the Lord, our, our God, would be detestable to the Egyptians. And we offer sacrifices, there are <clears throat> sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes. They will, not, will they not stone us? We must take three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifice to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. There he says, says again, pray for me. So first, his first uh, thing, okay, you can go ahead and sacrifice, but do it right here. Moses comes and said, that ain't going to work for us. They're going to kill us. He says, okay, you can go, but don't go very far. And he keeps holding, holding some control, holding some power. Your, your Yahweh God is not going to have control over me. Your Yahweh God is not going to have, uh, even, even though the gods of Egypt are falling like flies. Even though the gods of Egypt are, are turning out to be pretty powerless, God's dealing with them, and he still says, I am God, right? We heard that from Steve last week. He said Pharaoh was actually a god in the land. He was one of those gods that was worshipped. So, Moses answered, as soon as I leave, you will... I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave. Pharaoh and his officials and his people only, only, uh, only be sure that Pharaoh does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the, and the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. But this time also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. So we see a pattern of Pharaoh hardening his heart, right? Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the next one. That was the flies, the fly, fly gods. Kepri and Uchit, rebirth, creation, uh, movement of the sun was what they, were, what they were gods of, and that was kind of the, that was the gods that God was judging in, in the flies. Uh, Next was the livestock. Uh, then, then the Lord said to Moses, go to, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they, may be wor they worship me. If you refuse to let them go, continue to hold them back. The hand of the Lord will bring terrible plague on you and your livestock in the, in the field and on your, on your horses, your donkeys, your camels, your cattle, your sheep, your goats. 
The Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set the time. Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the, in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. The livestock of the Egyptians died. But not an animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh sent men. He spent, sent spies over to, to Israel, to the Israelites, sent men to investigate and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding and he would not let the people go. So again, his heart is hard. His heart is unyielding. He's, he's not, I don't care what God does. I don't care what your God does. He's not going to have control over me. He's not going to have, he's going to tell me what to do. He's not going to tell me how to live. He's not going to, no. Uh, so the livestock die. This is Apis and Hathor. Apis, uh, Hathor was love and protection. Uh, Apis was a, was a bull god. Uh, God of the livestock and animals, and um, God was judging both of those. Interesting, that's the same when when the, the people of Israel were finally let let go and into freedom, and they make a golden image. What was it? It was Apis. It was the gods they knew. Because it's been 400 years of our, the, the God that our fathers talked about. We haven't seen him move. We haven't seen him do anything. We haven't, he's been absent and silent as we're slaving away, as we're getting beat, as we're getting killed, as we're, our, our children are being thrown into the Nile, as all kinds of crazy stuff's going on. Where's our God? So they, they began to question, where is God in all of this? We're, we're under slavery for 400 years of oppressive, crazy, whatever, they began to take hold of the gods of Egypt because it's what's here. Next was the plague of boils. Boils and sores. I, this is ISIS. Uh, ISIS was medicine and peace. There's no medicine in taking these boils. There's no peace taking these boils. I ha had a foot injury uh, a couple months ago. Uh, and there was one time where I got, like, athlete's foot in this bad boy. And it was, I wake up in the night, and my wife would be like, what's going on? Oh, and I'd be like, my foot's on fire. Ah! And it was like, I, I had to rip this thing off, and it, like, I could not not itch it. It was like, oh, and my wife would, like, hold, hold my arms down, like, no, don't do it, don't do it. Be like, ah, oh, it's torture. Uh, there was some. The, this is the torture that was going on. In, in they have these sores, they have these boils on their body. Uh, let's just. This is another really cool uh, picture for you. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, uh, "Take handfuls of the soot from the furnace and have Moses toss it into the air." So they go to the furnace, the same furnace that they would have been making bricks. And it was the same line that, that they would have had to make bricks out of when they were slaves. It was the same, same line they would have had to uh, make more bricks without, without what, what you need. And, you know, this was one of God's ironic judgments against Pharaoh. And all of a sudden he takes the line from the, from the stove and he throws it in the air. You ever seen LeBron James when he's... Right? It goes, all of a sudden it turns to festering and boils and now this this was one of the things that uh, 
that God was judging what was you guys ever seen movies and stuff of the people of Egypt were all about cleanliness they were all about beauty they were all about outward beauty they were all about uh, even in the desert they were they would bathe in the day they would bathe several times a day they would the, the guys would shave shave all their body hair so they would be clean it was all about cleanliness it was all about beauty it was all about gold ornaments it was all about suddenly when 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 your body is itching all over the place and you can't do anything about it are you thinking about how pretty you are are you thinking about uh how clean you are are you thinking about uh whatever else god was judging even that god was judging even the outward appearance and and the the appearance and how we put so much emphasis and stock in the appearance and how how great we look the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the, the Lord had said to Moses. Now, this is the first time it says the Lord hardened his heart. Um, I, this, is a, this is a hard one to, to, hard one to, uh, to navigate because Pharaoh's in this pattern of hardening his heart. He's in this pattern of Pharaoh hardens his heart. He's hardening his heart. He's hardening his heart. He doesn't want, and all of a sudden it says the Lord hardened his heart. How did the Lord harden his heart? And uh, I studied it and looked at it and read about it all week long, and I still can't get my mind around it exactly. Uh, one of the things it said, one of the things that, that I kind of like, yeah, that, that makes sense, was Pharaoh's already hardening his heart over and over God shows his miraculous signs and wonders. God's showing himself who he was. Just in him revealing himself and his judgment against sin and his judgment against these other gods hardens hearts. Right? So one of the ways God hardened Pharaoh's heart was showing himself. I'm going to show myself uh, later on, it, it talks about it talks very specifically, and it says, "I, I harden your heart so that I, my plans can be accomplished." So there's there's all kinds of layers to it. There's all kinds of uh, of things to it. Doesn't make sense to a lot of us. Like, why would God harden somebody's heart? Because if God didn't harden his heart by the pattern in 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 uh, Pharaoh's life, would would he have just hardened his own heart anyway? Probably. He was already, it was already part of the way he operated. It was already part of the way he lived. It was part of the way he did things. So God, uh, God hardens his heart. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me in this place. I will send a full force of plagues against you. So the plagues are getting more and more severe. This is so that you may know. This is the one... There's no one like me in all the earth. This is the hail. Hail comes down. It destroys. Uh, for now, I, I could have stretched out my hand and struck you down, struck your people with a plague that would have wiped you off. But I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show my power and my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So there was a bigger plan and a bigger purpose for what God was doing than just 
Egypt and Israel. There was something bigger going on. So he says, uh, you, you still set yourself against me. So, so even in God saying God hardened his heart, it says, you, you still set yourself up against me. You, uh, God gives them a warning. Says, bring all your livestock and everything you have. Bring it, all your servants, bring them inside. So there must have been, God must have had a little bit of mercy on Egypt because they still had some livestock, right? There was a plague of livestock that killed, wiped them all out, but they, they still must have had some because God warns them and says, bring, bring, bring the ones inside, bring your servants inside. So they, and the ones they didn't, Hail comes, destroys everything, destroys the vegetation, destroys. Uh, it says in verse 21, those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. I, I don't know why you would ignore the voice of the Lord or the instructions of the Lord at this point. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, you just saw these crazy, crazy things happen. All of a sudden, this this. Yahweh God comes and says, I'm, I'm about to do something really big. Get, your, get everybody inside. And it's, they still ignored him. It's an it's a expression of hardness of heart. I'm not going to listen. I don't, I don't care how many times God shows himself to me, how many, God, how many times God reveals himself to me, how many God, times God tries to get things in order in my life. I'm not listening. I don't care. Uh... In verse 27, then Moses summoned Moses, uh, Moses and Aaron. Uh, this is this time I have sinned. So he's a little bit repentant. He said to them, "The Lord is the right, and I, my people, are wrong. Pray that to the Lord we will have enough. Thunder and hail will let you let you go. You don't have to stay any longer." So hail hail comes and it destroys. All their, their trees and crops and vegetation. I've already been in a hailstorm that's, that's killing people and livestock and animals. and It must have been pretty intense, huh? So this was their, their uh, this was their, this was the God nut. That blue thing right there. That was one of the, the sky god they worshipped. Goddess of the sky. Uh <clears throat> Verse 34, when Moses saw that the rain and hail it and thunder had stopped, he, he, he sinned again. These officials hardened their hearts, so Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart was hard. He wouldn't let the Israelites go. And uh, next one is the locusts. And he's uh, again set in, Os however you say that, Os Osiris. Uh, they're the gods of storm and disorder. They were the gods of the desert, the gods of storm and disorder. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh. I have, I have hardened his heart and the hearts of the officials so that I may perform these miraculous signs of mine among them, that you will tell your children and your grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians, and I have performed signs among them, and you may know that I am the Lord. So he's saying, this, and, and here he's saying, I've hardened Pharaoh's heart to accomplish my plans and purposes so that... You can tell your kids and your grandkids and, and those. And here we are talking about it a couple thousand years later. Right? So there was something bigger going on. 
Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to, in verse 8, uh, brought back to Pharaoh, go worship the Lord your God. He said, but just, just who is going? Moses answered, we'll go with our young, our old, our sons, our daughters, all the flocks and herds, because we're, we're going to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, the Lord, the Lord be with you if, you if I let you go along with your women and children. So he basically keeps the women and children back and, and says, you can go ahead and go. I'm, I'm negotiating again. You can go ahead and go, but I'm not going let to let you be in full control. You can go ahead and go, but I'm going to keep your women and children and livestock in, uh, I'm going to keep them hostage. So, so it, it ensures that you guys come back, right? Uh, all right, so uh, just so you guys know, the, 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 the hail plague that came, what would have happened in January, February? This, this, uh, this plague that happens, the locust, would have happened in March or April. So we, a lot of times we picture in our mind these happen do, 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 real, real fast. There was actually time in between them. There was actually uh, things that went on in between. Uh, verse 16, Mo, Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God and take this deadly plague away from me. So the locust came. Uh, the, the locust um, was dealing with uh, weather. Again, Minnesota, we know, we know what that's about. We know what, we have meteorologists that all, ki all kinds of equipment and all kinds of, and we had a phantom snow day this week. <laughs> or just when we think we got it all figured out, God comes and says, you know who's really in control of the weather? There was darkness. This was against the <clears throat> one of the main gods, the sun god, Ra. Um, I'm just going to skip over a bunch here because we're sh short on time. Uh, but darkness, God was judging darkness. And then the firstborn, uh, we'll get more into that in the, in the uh, <clears throat> Passover next week. Um, but it was God judging and God at war against a bunch of gods. Now, here's the application piece. First uh, Corinthians 10 says, These things happen as warnings to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. So, 3,500 years ago, they were dealing with chasing after other gods. And... Uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, it, it talks about Ezekiel 20. Then I said to them, each of you, get rid of the vile images you so obsessed with. Do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not listen. They did not get rid of the vile images they were obsessed with or forsake the idols of Egypt. They didn't forsake the idols of Egypt. All of a sudden, uh, God is judging the, the idols of Egypt and and. The, those idols began to take root in, in the, the people of Israel's heart. Ezekiel, 800 years later, is addressing that and saying, you guys still have not dealt with the idols in your heart. You're still going after those things. You're still going after happy. You're still going after apis. You're still going after uh, the fruitfulness. You're still going after finding things outside of me. You're still going after those things. 
read Ezekiel 20 sometime. The whole, the whole, the whole thing is talking about the plagues and talking about idols in, in, in the, the people of Israel's heart. This is what it says. Going back, 1 Corinthians 10, it says, These things happen for us, examples for us, so that we don't set our hearts on things as they did. So if it happened 3,500 years ago, it happened uh, whenever Ezekiel was, it happened 2,000 years ago when, when, uh, when Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's still happening today. Then we look even, even further, and it says in Revelation, the rest of mankind were, were not killed by these plagues, still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. This is talking about the end of time, the end of days. They still have not repented of their idols. They're still going after things that do not satisfy. They're still going after things that don't make them happy. They're still going after things that don't, they can only find in me. They're going after stuff that, ah, this has been a pattern of, of, of the human condition. It's been a pattern of, it was a pattern of Pharaoh. We're just like Pharaoh. Our hearts wander to other things. It was the, the people, it wasn't just Pharaoh, it was the people of Israel. And the people of Israel, who God's chosen people, you're my special set-apart people. I did all these crazy miracles. And yet you still go after other things. Yet you still go after other gods. Yet you're still going back to the junk that I set you free from. Exodus 14, it talks about they're, they're in the wandering in the desert and they're complaining to Moses and they're like, why did you send us here? It was so much better in Egypt. Egypt was great. Egypt was awesome. He said in two, two, two verses that Egypt was repeated seven times. They took their eyes off the Lord, off the Lord, and began to look at all oh, what we had in Egypt. We take our eyes off what can only satisfy, what can only give us happiness. We take our eyes off what can only give us fruitfulness. And we try to produce fake fruit. We try to produce something that's ultimately going to rot, and it's not going to help anybody. It's not going to satisfy anybody. The people of Israel, when they're wandering in the desert and they make a golden statue, they were simply misguided worship. Because we were created to worship. And if you're worshiping Jesus and you're not putting him Lord of your life, you worship something. You worship something. I tell you, you can look, look all around. You look at people worshiping athletes, Worshipping a job or a career, worshiping. And you can tell what's, what's the idol in somebody's life when, by the way they talk about it. You can talk about church. Oh, yeah, it was okay. I fell asleep a couple times, but you know, it was, it was all right. Start talking about your favorite sports team. Let me tell you about them. Let me tell you, they won a championship way back in whenever it was. You can tell, tell what's the idols of somebody's heart by the way they talk about that thing. Right? This is way back in Revelation saying they still haven't repented of their idols. 
It's because you've been created to be a worshiper. Our heart will try to find satisfaction and peace and happiness and joy and fruitfulness and health. We put our hope in so many other things. We'll try to find that satisfaction in something else. I got a, a, a little video to show you. I just want to warn you, it's a little bit violent. So if you got little kids with you, you might want to cover their eyes. I don't know. This is a, this is a scene from uh, The Avengers. So it's a couple of superheroes going at it. Uh, I saw this in the, in the movie a couple years ago, and I was like, I got to use that in a sermon someday. So this is... This is uh, I'm just giving you a little disclaimer. Uh, this is the way we need to respond. And worship team, you can go ahead and come on. Enough! You are all of you beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature. And I will not be bullied by that. If he caught it at the end, he said, puny God. And that's really what God was doing with the gods of Egypt. Puny God. And we need to, in our own heart, in our own life, have that same violent attitude and that violent response that says, I'm going after something that's not what God's, God's fullness. I'm going after something that God's not created to me to go after. I'm going after happiness and trying to find it in whatever that thing is. I'm going after fruitfulness, and I want to be fruitful. I want to be fruitful in my business. I want to be fruitful in my marriage. I want to be fruitful in this. And, and you're trying to find it in other things, in other ways. Whatever that God of your heart and that God of your life, each one of us have them. Each one of us have something we're, we're going after or something that takes our attention off of the life giver. It's interesting that Passover happens and God says, I want you to remember this. I want you to... He starts talking to them as if they're already free. He starts talking to them as if they're already free. A lot of times we, we think I don't live in that free place. You've been set free. Because you still struggle with stuff, because you, you've, you've still been set free, You've still been set free from the, the gods of our, the gods we make in our own heart and our life. We've been set free from whatever that thing is. So this morning we're just gonna we're gonna worship and we're, we're gonna just take a moment. And if there's something in this sermon, you feel like you know what I have put my trust and hope in something else put my hope and trust in wanting to be happy. I put my hope and trust in I'll be happy if my kids serve the Lord. I'll be happy if my marriage is back together. I'll be happy if 
And I'm not saying those things are not difficult in the heart. I'm, I'm saying where is your trust and hope? It's a year of increasing trust. I want to increase our trust this morning. I'm going to put my hope in the life giver. I'm going to put my hope in the only one that can satisfy. I'm going to put my hope and my trust in the only one that can make me fruitful. I'm going to put my hope and trust in the one that can give me life to the fullness, to the fullest. So you're here this morning. Don't, don't, don't rush out. Allow the Holy Spirit allow the Holy Spirit to get things in order in your life. I hope you can see those things as puny gods. Jesus, would you come this morning and deal with the gods of our heart? Would you come in, put things in order? Would you come and put our hope and trust in you? Our God is bigger and stronger. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you're, if you're, if there's some God in your life, if there's some uh, idol that you're, you want to be free from, and you just, it's been, it's been there for a long time. Uh, we, we understand and we know it's a journey. We understand and we know that it's, it's a process. Uh, and part of that process is coming around other people and, and just being real. I try to find my hope in other things. It's being real. I try to find it and trying to find satisfaction in something else. And part of that being real is there's an opportunity to, to discuss and, and to be together even, even not right after service here. Uh, there's lunch provided. Uh, it's a chance to be real. It's a chance to let others come around you in that journey. Amen? So Jesus, we pray that you would help us as the body of Christ to be, to be in each other's lives in such a way we, we can walk in the journey together. God, that we can walk in this process of giving you full surrender, full lordship. God, that we will walk in a place of knowing you and trusting you fully. Lord, that you would increase our trust in you. Lord, you increase our trust for one another in that process, God. Pray for this body. I pray your blessing. Pray that we would make you number one in our life in every area and aspect, in every relationship, in every friendship, in every everything, God everything we put our mind and heart to, that you would be our focus and that you would be who we live to glorify. And Jesus, for those of us that have trust in other things, I pray that those would become puny gods. Jesus, I bless anybody here. I bless the kids. I bless, bless everybody in Jesus' name. Amen.